This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Good show coming up today. Mark Craig joins for his weekly NFL Picks segment. A lot of of underdogs that Mark likes this week. It's kind of been the way of the NFL this season. A lot of surprises so far. So we'll get Mark's take on Week 7 and what to expect in the NFL. Also be joined by Megan Ryan um, from the Star Tribune. She covers the Twins, but she also... Uh, does a lot of gopher hockey coverage for us. Big series between the Gophers men's hockey team and Minnesota Duluth this weekend coming up. Megan will help us get ready for that. Kind of a snapshot of where the Gophers are this season, what that series means, and kind of their place in the uh, pecking order in Minnesota as Minnesota Duluth has uh, you know has had quite a run here in the last decade. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit as well as a uh, look at uh, maybe a couple trades. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a trade machine. But first, what did I miss? Yeah, it's. Uh, I was irrationally excited on uh, on Thursday night for Thursday night football. It wasn't a great matchup. Didn't end up being a great game. It turned out to be a close game. Not all close games are great games uh, between the Broncos and the Browns. The reason I was interested, though, is uh, Baker Mayfield was injured for the Browns. That meant Case Keenum was the quarterback for Cleveland. Broncos came in with Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback. Teddy looked like he was a little bit banged up. He was on the injury report. But nonetheless, they both faced each other. Obviously, two former Vikings um, that were that played prominent roles. You know, Teddy was the you know, number one draft pick, first-round draft pick in 2014. Plus starter in 2015 when they went to the playoffs. Horrible injury in 2016. 17, they've got Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum. Sam Bradford goes down. Teddy's not ready to play. Case takes over. Has a great season. End of the year, they've got a decision to make. What are we going to do? Are we going to keep one of these guys, all of whom have had either injury or you know questions of consistency, or are we going to go out and get someone more proven on the free agent market? They end up going and getting, of course, Kirk Cousins. And Thursday's game is a reminder of that decision and they got the best quarterback. I think we got we saw that reaffirmed in that Thursday night game, just watching those two quarterbacks, how they struggled in certain situations in the 17 to 14 Browns win, you know, and watching Kirk Cousins enough this year, last year, you know, just throughout his Vikings career, the arm talent on Kirk Cousins is undeniable. Now the question is, of course, how much the Vikings have won and how much Kirk Cousins' salary has affected their ability to win, but I guess Thursday night's game, the larger point is it reinforced that if you're talking about what the best quarterback option was in free agency before the 2018 season, hands down, it was Kirk Cousins, and there's no debate about that. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. It's NFL Picks time on Daily Delivery. Mark Craig joins me as usual, does a great job covering the Vikings and the NFL for the Star Tribune, picks the games every week straight up and against the spread. We won't talk about last week. No, it was last week was okay, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, 
straight up, I did all right, 10 and 4 against the spread, which is why I never bet in it, would never bet in the NFL, uh, 6 and 8. So uh, almost had the upset special. I said that I swore that the Patriots would, would beat uh, the, the Cowboys, and uh, it almost happened. It, I think Belichick was like 109 and 3 when leading at halftime at home and became 109 and 4 after the Cowboys came back and beat him in overtime. So, uh, almost got that one. An overtime game. Vikings played an overtime game. We were talking before this segment started, before we get into the games themselves. Mark, it's been like just every game, it feels like. And it's not every game. It just, it just feels that way. But, you know, maybe because we watch the Vikings so closely, maybe just because of, you know, the, the close games get magnified. But there's been, it's just a league that has trended this way for a while. But especially this year, it just feels like every game is coming down to, you know, a couple plays at the end. Does it not? Yeah. Like, uh, in honor of Sid Hartman, it's, it's not, it's no longer a crazy league. It's a crazier league. It, it seems like you know, there's been 23 games now that have been decided in the final minute of regulation or overtime. The Vikings have four of those four out of six. I mean, uh, Kirk cousins has had, you know, well, there's four games where he's had games, uh, with five or six comeback where he's let them down to, tie going to overtime, do it again in, in overtime, and then they lose. Uh, it's just been all over the map. I'm sure Vikings fans are as, as tired as Mike Zimmer looked and said he was heading out of the, his presser on Sunday that uh, it gets exhausting watching, uh, you know, games where that should be in, in hand, and then they just get, you know, upset, at, you know, upended at the last three or four minutes. So, yeah, there's been 23 of them. That's a record. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun, but fun to watch. A lot of really good primetime games to watch. Uh, you, don't, you haven't seen I don't, not too many duds where, like, the, the game on uh, Monday night had seven lead changes, and I read somewhere uh, in NFL communications that uh, uh, that was the third game this year that's had seven lead changes in, in that game. So it's uh, it's everything the NFL's ever wanted, uh, basically on steroids. I mean, they've always been a close league that's back and forth, but this has been a, a – special year for them and for, for fans watching games. I mean, it used to be that if you had, if you got the ball back with 30 seconds left, it was pretty much, you weren't going to score. And now it feels like 30 seconds is, is not an eternity, but it's, it's like, if you have even just a sliver of time, you're going to be able to potentially get into field goal range, at least if with, you know, two completions, even if you don't have any timeouts, like there's, there's offenses are so efficient with being able to move quickly. It seems like. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you look at um, that was never Kirk Cousins deal, except for that one time that he trademarked his uh, his uh, his phrase. But, um, you know, an offensive line protecting him, this guy can do what these other great uh, what great quarterbacks are doing. I won't say other great quarterbacks yet, but he can do what these really good quarterbacks can do. Um, give him 37 seconds one week and 42 seconds another week. Um, he almost did it. You know, he would have did it twice. Like I said, he led them to, to the game winning attempt and they missed that. Uh, then they get it in overtime and he goes down again and does it. So, uh, with protection, this guy's showing us with, uh, you know, his accuracy and his decision-making, if he has time is, is can win you a lot of games and it's worth what they're paying. I don't know if I'd say that, but, um, it's the case. Vikings get. Some much needed rest this week. Um, it sounded like both Cousins and Zimmer were 
pretty spent after that Carolina game, but they do get to the bye at three and three, give themselves a chance coming out of the bye, although doing doing what they're going to need to do without Patrick Peterson will be an interesting test to uh, to say the least against some of those better quarterbacks. Um, so we won't have the Vikings to talk about on this picks segment, but I think the theme that we kind of started just now was you know, just the unpredictability and the volatility of the NFL and just how these games are so close. Maybe that's illustrated pretty well this week by you've got five games, if we count them correctly, that are technically underdogs winning outright. Uh, run me through those and, and kind of the rationale be- behind those. Well, you know, I got, got the Colts over the 49ers, Eagles over the Raiders, Falcons over the Dolphins. You know, it's in Miami. It's a, a Titans over the Chiefs. Um, I like the Titans. Uh, I mean, I, I don't like that division, but the, the Titans and what they did, I, I picked the Buffalo, them beating Buffalo on Monday. I just thought it was time. There's so many times where I pick games where it's just based solely on watching this league long enough, and you're just like, there's going to be correction moments. There's going to be moments where you just know that all the talk going into a game is going to be completely upset, upended and coming out of the game. It's just the way the league is. It's such a momentum league. The, the teams that are up, they come down. The teams that are down until they lose so many that they're out of it, they tend to come up if they're, if they're a decent team. So, you know, like the, the Falcons, just like the Falcons and Dolphins, I, this is the first time I think I've seen a, a team come back from London and have to play the next week. And they're not only they're playing the next week, they're playing against the Falcons who – are coming off a bye week after they went to London. So, uh, you know, that, maybe it's an upset, maybe it's not. But uh, according to the point spread, it is. Like I said, I like the Titans. Uh, you know, I just feel like the Chiefs this is going to be one of those years where the Chiefs go like nine and – I watch myself, nine and eight, um, where they just, you know, their defense is terrible. Uh, the offense turns the ball over more than you typically see them do. So I, I do like the Titans. Um, you know, the Eagles – Eagles, you know, watching them the last couple of games, you know, just walking back the replays, you know, I, I like their, their, their front four defensively. I think they can stop the run and, and get put heat on, uh, on Derek Carr. Uh, and then there, everybody's, you know, the Raiders are kind of high because they won that first game after Gruden is gone, uh, was, you know, forced to resign. Uh, they come back home. I feel like it'll be like, like this will be the letdown where the Raiders don't perform. You know, Colts at 49ers, I, I don't know. I, I sort of like the Colts and how they've played some games. They don't, they're not great finishers. Um, you're going out to, San, you know, I think, I think they play in San Francisco. Um, you know, Garoppolo might be back. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, the, the, their quarterback situation, they got a lot of potential there, but uh, they're still – Trey Lance probably is not ready to be a starter. So, yeah, there's a, just I looked at a lot of these. You know, it's not a great week for games. Um, so it just, the upsets seem to hit me. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know if there's a, is there a great team this year? I mean, I thought maybe it was going to be Buffalo and maybe it still is. And, you know, we shouldn't, you know, if they make a foot the other day and go in and, and, and make a, you know, make a game winning touchdown, maybe we're talking about them a little differently now. And we got we can't forget Arizona is undefeated, um, finding ways to win, but I, I don't see like this one team where you're like, wow, like even at the six game mark, I don't feel like I can identify the very best team in the league right now and say they're, they're that much better than the second best team. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams, there's hot teams here, you know, the, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Packers and the, uh, the Cardinals have all won five or six straight games. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, if you threw them all together, I mean, you know, Baltimore is now kind of rounding into that team where like, oh, you know, like look out for Baltimore and AFC, but you know, they, they needed a record field goal to beat the Lions. Um, you know, the Packers by the Saints, uh, the Cowboys almost lost in, in, at New England. Um, you know, I, the Cardinals game, I might not have picked it had I known like Cleveland's entire roster would be out. Um, you know, the, 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 the Browns had to play without both starting tackles. Their top, uh, their top running back and then the second best running back got, gets hurt. Baker was, uh, was injured and, you know, with his left shoulder. And, but I still like that the Cardinals went into Cleveland and took care of business. I, you know, I, I was high on the Cardinals when we did the, the preseason NFL package. Um, you know, sort of like this, the, the theme was the J.J. Watt, when he had all these opportunities to go somewhere to win his ring, you know, why did he pick Arizona? And then when you look at their roster and you, you kind of assume that Kyler Murray is going to take a, a, another step, I really like them as a surprise team, even though they were in that, that division. You know, people were saying, oh, they're going to finish third, in the, third or fourth in the division. Uh, I didn't buy that. I didn't think they would be 6-0, and oh, but – um, you know, to me, they're the best team in the league right now. Just, just that all that talent that they have, and and the fact that they can go on the road and win some tough games, and uh, you know, winning that Vikings game uh, is to me. You, know, you look back on, it, oh, you know, they only beat the Vikings by you know field goal or whatever. Uh, but to me, it's like you know, the, when you win some of those games, when you traditionally aren't that type of team, um, it says a lot about you. And, and when you throw in that talent. It says even more. A couple more games I want to talk about. The best game of the week might be Bengals-Ravens. It could get lopsided. I think we're going to learn more about Cincinnati here in this game, right? They've they've played a lot of close games, you know, escaping against the Vikings, not escaping against Green Bay. Um, You think this one stays close? I think it's a a six-and-a-half point spread. I (laughs) It's so weird trying to pick games this year. Like, even when a game is like two and a half, you're like, oh, are they going to cover? Because it, the games are, you're seeing one point games, two point games, three point games. Um, so it's hard to really, really, it's why I would never bet on this league. I don't, the, the people who really know what's going on is, is, is the people that put set the point spreads because uh, it's really hard to figure that out. But I think it's a six and a half spread whenever I made these picks. I picked the, the Ravens to win by six. Um, you know, it's like one of those. I, I feel like the, the Bengals have announced that they're here, uh, but the but the Ravens announced last week with that uh, dominant performance that they aren't going anywhere. Uh, you know, uh, last year Pittsburgh got off to a hot start, eleven and zero. The Browns you know, beat Pittsburgh in overtime, uh, but Cincinnati's here, even though that's a tough division. But I think the Ravens, that organization, um, yeah, they have they have not looked dominant by any stretch because the defense on some of these primetime games have looked very un Baltimore like. Um, but I, you know, I really like um, where the Ravens are right now coming off that game that they just had. And, and what they did to the chargers out there was uh, impressive. And you don't like the, the lions to, uh, to beat the Rams, huh? In the uh, golf versus uh, Stafford yeah. bowl. What's the, the line on that's like 17 or something like that. Uh, I think that's 15, 15. Okay. The bigger one maybe is the, uh, Titans and the, uh, the Tex yeah, the Texans Cardinals is 17 and a half lions Rams is 15. There's three, uh, three teams are favored by 13 and a half points or more, including the, uh, the bucks over the bears, which I thought, I don't, I don't see the, 
I see the Bucks winning that game, but I would not give 13 and a half points. Uh, I think the Bears defense is too good to, uh, to you know, give that many points. Um, I don't think they'll win, but uh, and then you got then you got the Packers. The you know Vikings have an off a bye week, but so do the Packers. They got the they got the Redskins or what the Washington Washington football team. The Washington football. I should get a nickname here. Uh, Washington football team. Uh, I think it's nine and a half points. The Packers are favored by so you know the biggest surprise with Washington is just how horrendous that you know, they were supposed to come in with this dominant front four and and just be this they uh, this great defense and they're. They're last in the league in points allowed. So yeah, the Packers will have the, you know, they're going to win a sixth straight game there. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, no Vikings this week. Like I said, we'll be back at it next week. Vikings Dallas should be an interesting one on Halloween night. Could be one of those correction type games that you like to talk about, but we'll, uh, we'll see about that. Good stuff, Mark. We'll see you again next week. All right. All right. See you. Thanks. When you hear that sound, it's because I feel like a trade machine. And Mark Craig and I talked about the Vikings cornerback depth problems and NFL trade deadline coming up here in a little over a week. Vikings only have, you know, they'll only play one game before the deadline on Halloween um, because they have a bye this week. But we're going to find out in that game how their cornerback depth is tested uh, with Patrick Peterson out for at least three games. Do Bashad Breeland and Cameron Dantzler hold up, or is there someone they might be able to acquire in a trade? I know Xavier Howard is an attractive name. It's an expensive one. Um, doesn't necessarily fit under the cap as we as we see it structured right now. That would be kind of be a, a bigger type of move, but is there a move they can make on the edges before the trade deadline to bolster their cornerback depth? Um, you know, because the, the Peterson injury is probably going to expose this top heavy roster and, and how little they have, uh, have by way of corner depth. You know, we're talking about guys like Chris Boyd, probably getting some run in nickel packages, dime packages, things like that. If, uh, you know, if Breland and Dantzler, a, if they can't hold up or B, uh, if teams spread them out because they see that Peterson is out. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. The other half of the trade machine is Ben Simmons, uh, the saga continues. I know they're we have talked about this at nauseum, but man, it's getting worse and worse. Apparently they're gonna he and Philadelphia's uh ownership and management are going to meet on Friday again. It sounds like Thursday. He went in for some treatment on his back, got cleared to work out, but didn't do anything. Um it's just it's super ugly and it's funny. Wolves fans who maybe were in the uh yes, let's trade for Ben Simmons camp. Uh, suddenly have been swayed by one good regular season performance against an, a lousy Rockets team and want to see what this team can do. And I, I get it. I, I'm not necessarily um, faulting you for that opinion, but I still feel like if Ben Simmons is available and you can get him for a reasonable price, you still have to do it at the risk of disrupting any sort of continuity because he would be the best player in any trade you would pull off. So I still feel like that's going to be percolating until it's not, and uh, it's it's getting ugly in Philadelphia and getting even, even, even uglier right now. Megan Ryan joins Daily Delivery right now. Megan covers the Twins for the Star Tribune, but uh, moonlights as a college hockey writer in the offseason and does a great job of it. 
is uh, writing about Gophers versus Minnesota Duluth men's hockey this weekend. There's an advance of that series on startribune.com and in your Friday newspaper, an interesting one. Wouldn't you say Megan? Yeah. You know, I think all these games are interesting these days because they're, they're playing all the in-state rivals, you know? So there's, there's a lot of intrigue all around for, for Minnesota hockey fans, which I guess we all are because we're in the state of hockey. Yeah. I mean, last weekend you had Gophers St. Cloud state, which ended with controversy St. Cloud state fans, not, not happy about the non-call before the goal in overtime, which uh, <laughs> I can see why they were maybe upset. That was uh, that was pretty bad. That series ends up being a split. So you've got Michigan at the top of this, uh, at the top of the rankings. Now, then you go, what, uh, is it St. Cloud or Minnesota, mm-hmm. Minnesota State? Saint Minnesota Cloud. State is too. Yeah. Then Minnesota Saint State, St. Cloud, and then the Gophers, and then Minnesota Duluth. So you got two through five yep. are in state teams. And so you got this four versus five matchup. You know, rankings don't matter a ton in October, but they do give you an early kind of relative measure of where these teams stand. And it, it seems like both of these teams are, are pretty good right now and should give each other a good early test. Um, one thing I thought was interesting from your story that I might jump into was just the age and then, you know, relatively probably speaking to that size difference probably between these teams, because you wrote about how the Gophers just got done playing St. Cloud, which has a lot of older players and the pandemic has kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. Um, maybe it was always a little bit more like this where the, 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 the non-Metro Minnesota hockey teams had maybe some of the older players who played a year or two of juniors, but, my goodness, Minnesota Duluth, um, they've got a lot of uh, fifth-year players, seniors, things like that to, to give them a test, right? Oh, yeah, they definitely do. And I mean, like, it's it's interesting because, you know, that's like, it's kind of like a perpetual story, right? With the Gophers every year, they're always like the young team with the, you know, highly drafted prospects that are coming right out of a Dinah high school, usually. Um, so like, that is, that is the, always the case. Like the Gophers always seem to be like the young, speedy, skilled team, but then it like, it's like the other schools in the state, probably because they can't, or they're not competing for those highly touted prospects. Right. Cause they're all going to the Gophers. So like they did a different strategy, which means like they're getting like guys that have gone through juniors already overseas guys that are coming over and playing college hockey. Um, so they're always, they always tend to be, you know, bigger, uh, and older and more experienced. Um, but the pandemic, because everybody's got this extra year of eligibility floating out there now, like there's a lot of fifth year seniors that are coming back. And like St. Cloud had that, um, Duluth is going to have that this upcoming weekend. The Gophers only have one returning fifth year and it's, it's the goaltender, Jack LaFontaine. Um, so it, it is a different, it's a little bit of an exacerbated dynamic, um, from, you know, even what it usually is. Uh, but I think what's interesting is like, even though there is that difference, like it was cool to see in the St. Cloud games last weekend, like how, how evenly matched or what tight games they were. Um, even though there was that big disparity, like, I feel like both teams are really like, it was just, I don't know. It was good hockey, to be honest. Like I know it ended with the, with the Jersey pull <laughs> that was very egregious, um, which is too bad, but I don't know. Sometimes that's just like the way the cookie crumbles, you know? But I am expecting a, a similar kind of like tightly contested match um, with the Bulldogs this weekend for sure. Yeah, and you wrote too. I mean, it's interesting because if you're, you know, if we're thinking about what recruiting strategy has been winning out lately, I mean, the Gophers have certainly had 
successful teams, but they haven't won a championship since 2003. Minnesota Duluth um, has won three in the last decade or so, and they went back to back a few years ago. Um, they were back in the Frozen Four, you know, last year during the pandemic season. Um, they've, you know, we still there's still this kind of you know reflex or instinct to call the Gophers the top program in the state, but accomplishment-wise, Minnesota Duluth has leapfrogged them in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, if, definitely. Like, if you're looking at the overall history from, like, the beginning of hockey in the state, like, 1890 or whatever, like, yeah, <laughs> the Gophers are still, they're still the, like, the, the best, you know. If we're, counting the, the if, we're counting the, if we're counting the three Herb Brooks championships from the 70s. <laughs> yes, or... exactly. Like, they got the most titles and they have the most, like, NHL players and all that jazz. But if we're looking at recent history, like, Duluth has been consistently the best program in Minnesota. Um, and it is interesting that for some reason, like, people I, you, people still feel like it's the Gophers with the target on their back instead of the other way around. Um, even a couple of players mentioned to that me mentioned that to me this weekend that, you know, it's always like, oh yeah, like we're the one that people are gunning for. And I, you know, I, it's probably just like that age old thing of, you know, if you, you, those Duluth boys are up there in iron range, <laughs> like just gritting it out and probably like we're overlooked by the Gophers, you know, like didn't get recruited. And then you've got all these like, you know, guys who are from these flashy programs like a Dinah, just like skating their way in there as 18 year olds. Um, so, you know, it's a good it's a good storyline. It's just very funny that it persists like to this day um, because Duluth is really good. Like they should be the one that we're all looking at. Um, and especially even if you just look at this last like this last frozen four, all five Minnesota teams made it to the NCAA tournament, which is like a big accomplishment in and of itself. But then like, who didn't make it? Bemidji, which, okay, sorry, Bemidji. And then like the Gophers, like they were the ones who, like they lost to Mankato to to not get in, right? So um, it is interesting that, that that keeps coming up. But I do feel like, I mean, Duluth is, they're like, you know, they're every year, even if you kind of look at them, you're like, oh, maybe, who knows? Like every year they somehow find a way to be really good. Um, and that's been a consistency that the Gophers have not had recently. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, Bob Mosco has this program going in the right direction. I think we would agree. But, you know, one mm-hmm. thing that he talked about in your story that I thought was a good point to, to bring up as we kind of finish up here is, you know, just their schedule. I, I love their schedule. And, you know, they were doing some of this already. But, you know, when the old WCHA broke up, which is a war crime eight years ago, um, <laughs> people are not over it. So I'm, I'm still not, I'm still I'm still not over it. I'll admit it. I'm you know I'm from Grand Forks originally, so I love the original you know WCHA, the old rivalries, you know all the all the great you know games in the old in the old Ralph, not the new Ralph. Um, but you know that aside, they're they're preserving at least some of that. You know, playing St. Cloud, say playing Minnesota Duluth, and I believe they have series next month against North Dakota, and then Wisconsin's mm-hmm. obviously still a Big Ten um, opponent, so that's you know that they're on the schedule no matter what, but. Um, how important do you think that is to the fan base, even and even to the, the players in the program to still be able to play some of those traditional rivals? You know, I think it's important. Like, I guess like the older we get, I mean, I remember in my college days, that was still the W the old WCHA. Yes. So like, I remember the good old days, but it is interesting. Like the, like, I feel so old. Like I remember when Sammy Walker and Blake McLaughlin were freshmen um, and now they're seniors. And it makes me feel very old, but it's, it is interesting because like, now that you see people age up, like some of these kids that are coming in, like 
don't really remember the old WCHA, you know, or they maybe like heard about it from their dad or whatever, but like, (laughs) it's not like they grew up really watching it. Right. So that's, what's really interesting is like, it is going to be something that like the the old guard remembers really fondly. And it was like great times. Um, But I do wonder like the kids that are playing in it now, it's like, they're probably like, Oh yeah, like it's great to play the other Minnesota teams. But like, I'm not sure that they like have the context of like how those teams are playing each other, like constantly back in the day and like how fierce, like the North Dakota Gophers rivalry was, for example. And now it's kind of like, they see each other like once every other year, maybe. Um, yeah, it is interesting. Like, you know, Bob Matsuka did say like that, that's, you know, people miss that the fans miss that he like old fans, he knows. And so like he said, like, it's always going to be something where we're going to be trying to, you know, we can't play every Minnesota team or North Dakota every year, but we can have a rotation and try to get them in every other year or so. Um, but the other thing too, that I think was, was good of him is like, he's like, you know, but that's not always going to be like our whole non-conference schedule. Like he thinks it's really important too, which they haven't done in a while, but to like get out East to do like a trip and do a non-conference, like playing BU or something like that out there. Um, cause there's not really a lot of opportunity to play those teams really until you're in the postseason. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of national championships that have come out that way from sure. remember union. Do we remember that? 2014? Oh. Oh, just a little bit, just a little <laughs> just bit, a little bit. I was there. I recall it fondly. Um, but yeah, like, you know, he wants to like once maybe not that they're going to go out East every year, but like once in a guy's career, I think he said like every four years have one of those big trips out there so they can like experience that. But for the most part, yeah, like the in-state rivalries, they, they will live on only through the non-conference or like if the North star cup ever comes back, remember that I do remember the North star cup. That was great. That was great. I know it was great. And then over too soon. So, you know, there, there's opportunity, but yeah, for now it's like, you really got to make the onus to schedule it. Otherwise they're not going to happen. Believe the North Dakota series is over Thanksgiving weekend in North Dakota, but this one here, um, home and away Friday at Mariucci, 3M at Mariucci uh, Friday night, then at Minnesota Duluth on Saturday, both of those seven o'clock games, um, how much of that are we covering? Uh, we're covering the Friday night game. The Friday night game. I will game. be there okay. at Mary H. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Look for that coverage. Star Tribune, Star Tribune.com. Follow Meg Ryan at the other Meg Ryan, not to be confused with the actress, even though she has real fl- Meg Ryan, on even Twitter. though she has the flair for Ryan. drama in, in, uh, in her own <laughs> right. Uh, Meg, thanks for joining <laughs> me and uh, we'll do this again soon. Okay. Thanks, Aaron. Good stuff from Megan Ryan. Love talking college hockey. And reminder that Gophers-Minnesota Duluth game is on Bally Sports North on Friday night. One of the only things you can watch locally because not much else is going on on Friday. Saturday, on the other hand, will be extremely busy. Not only do you have Gophers-Minnesota Duluth rematch, that one's up in Duluth, but Gophers-Maryland football at 2.30. Gophers-Wild Anaheim at 5, Timberwolves against the Pelicans at 7, and Minnesota United against LAFC at 7. All of those are home matches. Whoever set these schedules should have consulted with one another, but hey, we'll take it. Should be a fun Saturday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the sports, and we'll be back at it again on Monday. 